Now I can tell you a joke <laughs> from my granddaughter. Holmes and Watson were sleeping out in the desert, and Holmes woke up and saw the stars, and he hit Watson and said, Watson, wake up. He said, look up, what do you see? He says, I see the stars. He says, what does that tell you? He says, well, uh, it tells me kind of, you know, what time it is, and it tells me the, if I look at it from a theological perspective, how awesome God is and how small we are, and, and uh, it tells me that, you know, what season it is and all kinds of stuff. And uh, Watson turns to Holmes and says, what does it tell you? He says, it tells me somebody sold our tent. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Don't ever ask me to tell jokes. And let me just tell you something real quick before I get into what I had prepared. Uh, and that is that in the context of what's happening in the world, Hebrews 12 says that God says, Yet once more I'll shake not only the earth but the heavens. Yet once more indicates the removal of the things that are being shaken, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we're receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, why do we worship the way we do? Because our focus needs to be on the king of the kingdom and not on the world around us. If you focus on the world around you, you're just going to be shaking. The Bible tells us it's going to be shaking. And I hear all kinds of people focusing on that and trying to determine the t signs of the times and everything else. The reality is we keep our focus on the king and his kingdom. Why is his kingdom not shaken? Because it's built on the rock, who is Jesus. Amen? Just threw that in for uh, free. Let me ask you a question this morning. Did you come expecting God to speak to you? Did you come expecting to grow and be changed and transformed? It's easy for us to just come expecting to hear what we've heard and to be encouraged, which is a good thing. But I want to talk to you this morning about Jesus' concept of discipleship. Jesus' concept of discipleship. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 4, verse 19. And then he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. It goes on and he talks about these other guys in verse 22. And immediately they left the boat and the father and followed him. I'm going to pick a few scriptures out of Matthew, one in Mark, and then a couple in John, just so that you see the whole breadth of this. Matthew 28, verse 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe or to do all the things that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. 
teaching them to do what I've commanded you. Matthew, uh, sorry, Mark 8, 34. He called the people to himself with his disciples also, and he said to them, whoever desires to come after me, which is interesting because he just called them to follow him, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. If you desire to come after him, you deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow him. Now over to John, the book of John, chapter 7. Verse 17, if anyone wills to do his will, talk about the Father, he will know concerning the doctrine whether it is from God or whether I speak on my own authority. If anyone desires or wills to do his will, he's basically saying, if you want to do what I'm telling you, then you'll know whether it's true. We, had, we tend to approach it the other way around. Once I'm convinced it's true, then I'll do it. Right? He's actually saying, if you desire to do it, then you'll know it's true. Chapter 14, verse 12. Most assuredly, I say to you, most assuredly is Jesus' way of saying emphasis. He's saying, pay attention to this. Most assuredly, truly, truly, one, one a translation says. Truly, truly, he's saying Hey, listen up. This is important. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these will he do because I go to my Father. He who believes in me, the very works I do, he will do. And one more, over in that same chapter in verse 23. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. Doesn't mean he'll just guard it, he'll do it. And my Father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. These scriptures show us Jesus' concept of discipleship. His concept is follow me. Come and do what I'm doing. He doesn't say, come to my Bible college and study theology. He doesn't actually say, come and study my teachings with me. Though his teachings are good, and I'm sure that he taught the disciples a lot, he actually said, come and do what I'm doing. See, Jesus' concept of discipleship was not an intellectual acceptance of certain teachings or values. His concept of discipleship is a call to do what he did. The very works that he did. We're gonna talk about how to do that in a little bit. But first, let's take a look at what he did. Now you can read the whole Bible, but I'm gonna give you a summary. Because he tells us in Luke chapter four, 
Huh? But you read the whole Bible. Thank you. Luke chapter 4, verse 18, and the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me. Acts chapter 10 tells us that that anointing, verse 38, and God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. That anointing was the Holy Spirit. So basically, Jesus said, I came to preach the gospel. The good news the good news that we can be restored to relationship with God, that our sins can not only be forgiven but removed from us so that we can be righteous and we can come back into relationship with God. That's why he came. But it doesn't stop there. He came to heal the hurting. He came to set free those who are bound. Let me ask you a question. Actually, three of them. I can't count. Are you a follower of Jesus? Are you a disciple of Jesus? Are you doing what Jesus did? Because that's how he defines a disciple. Take a moment and think about that. This is Jesus' concept of discipleship. Doing what he did. Do you have an expectation that you're actually doing what Jesus did? Preaching the gospel, healing the hurting, setting free the captives. But then the end of, of Luke, after Jesus tells them this and says, go make disciples, teaching them to do all the things that I've commanded you. He says this in in chapter 24, verse 49. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but wait in the city of Jerusalem until you receive power from on high. He just said, I expect you to do all this. Now wait. Does it make sense? Acts chapter one, verse four. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you've heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And they got a bit sidetracked and started talking about the, the end times and restoring the kingdom, and he said, don't worry about that, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you'll be my witnesses. So I wanna say this to you this morning. 
when we understand what Jesus was expecting of disciples, that we would do what he did, then we begin to grasp the absolute necessity of being filled with the Holy Spirit. We realize that we can't do it on our own. But if we're just talking doctrine, if we're just talking intellectual curiosities, sit around and let's talk a little bit about what Jesus said or did. We don't actually need power unless we need more power to talk more. He actually has something different. I met a uh, missionary in Chiang Mai, Thailand a number of years ago. And uh, Mary and I were, were there visiting, and we were actually visiting a, uh, on Sunday a charismatic, spirit-filled church. And I met this missionary who headed up a organization there that had seen a whole lot of churches get planted in the mountainous regions. And uh, met with him later that week, had coffee, and found out that he was a Baptist. And uh, from a Baptist church in Florida, which is where he had been sent from. And I actually looked at him and said, you're a Baptist, how are you in a spirit-filled church? And he kind of laughed. He said, when I was in Bible college, my friends and I would sit around and talk about doctrines like the Trinity. And uh, the Holy Spirit He said, we had these ideas. He said, but let me me tell you what he said. He said, uh, we relegated the spirit to a theological doctrine. But out here, talking about where he was in Thailand, when you encounter people controlled by demons, bound by fear and religion, preaching the gospel requires a demonstration of power. I quickly realized that as long as we're still preaching the gospel in a world controlled by the devil, I need the Holy Spirit in reality, not in doctrine. How do we get to a place where we think we don't really need the Holy Spirit? We move away from doing what Jesus did to believing what Jesus taught. And we can believe without doing. Our whole shift in the last three or four hundred years in Western culture has become one of an academic pursuit We want to understand things, but you can understand things that they don't affect how you live. In fact, a survey said of Christians in in the U.S. that there was absolutely no distinction between Christians in the church and the world in which they lived. How can that happen? We make it an intellectual pursuit rather than a doing, a following. 
So let me encourage you. Stir up again the gift of the Holy Spirit within you. I said that a few weeks ago. I had something else to preach today, and the Holy Spirit said, nah, I don't think they quite got it yet. Uh-oh. I didn't quite get it. Stir up the gift of the Holy Spirit. How do we do that? How do we do what Jesus did? I want to tell you a couple of simple things. How do we do what Jesus did? How do we stir up the Spirit? Do what Jesus did. Do what Jesus did. Don't wait until you feel it. Don't wait until you're qualified. To quote an old Nike ad, just do it. Pray for people who are sick. Share the gospel with people. Don't say, well, I don't feel qualified. Who cares? Just do it. There was an uh, uh, allegory told of a fishing group. Huh? <laughs> I'm allergic to fishing. There was this fishing group, and they gathered every week. And they sat around, and they talked about fishing. They talked about the best lures, and they talked about the best bait and where the best fish were found. And every week, they came together, and they talked about fishing. And they talked about how wonderful it would be to catch fish. The problem is... Weeks and weeks and weeks went by. And all they ever did was talk about fishing. They never actually fished. They never caught a fish because they never actually fished. They talked about it. Maybe you've never seen someone healed when you've prayed for them because you probably never prayed for them. Uh-oh. Let me encourage you, just do it. You can't heal people anyway. Jesus can. And then the second word of encouragement for you, besides just do it, is keep doing it. Just do it, and then keep doing it. John Wimber who was the head of the Vineyard Movement when he was alive, he's passed away a few years back, had an impact around the world in the healing ministry. John Wimber was a pastor of a church in Yorba Linda, California, and he saw something in the Bible about God healing and believed that God was doing it today and began to pray for people who were sick. Prayed every week they got together, and for a whole year, nobody got healed. But he just kept praying. And then some lady got healed. And then things began to explode. People were getting healed right and left. He began to teach seminars. He began to teach a course at uh, Fuller Theological Seminary that became the, the uh, cover story for Christianity Today magazine. And the Vineyard Movement exploded on 
someone who just believed God and just kept doing it. Just do it. And keep doing it. But before you do that, be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus said. He said, I call you to do this. The very works that I do, you'll do. But before you do that, be sure you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Luke eleven thirteen. Actually, we're going to start at verse uh, 11. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? That doesn't sound very good, does it? If you then, being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? We often use that in the context of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and it begins with us asking. But as we saw a couple weeks ago, there's an important part of us continually being filled. And this, I believe, doesn't apply to a one-off. It applies to an ongoing attitude of God willing to give us the Holy Spirit when we ask. Lord, would you fill me again? Will you fill me again with your Spirit? When I come to your presence, I need you because I can't do this on my own. You've called me to preach the gospel, to heal the sick, to set free the captives, bring deliverance to those who are bound, but I need your Spirit to do that. It's not because I think I need the Spirit. Jesus said I need the Spirit. He said, don't try this on your own. I believe there's some of you here today. You've gotten tired of doing it on your own. You've gotten tired of doing it without the Holy Spirit. And God's saying that was never his intent. I believe there's some here today, you've reduced discipleship to some intellectual thoughts because you realized you couldn't actually do what Jesus did without the Holy Spirit. You didn't realize that it was without the Holy Spirit. You just realized you couldn't do it. So your concept of discipleship was sitting around, reading some passages of Scripture and talking about a fine line of what they mean. Let's, let's focus on the end times. Let me tell you, the end times don't affect how you live today. Jesus affects how you live today. Whether there's a pre-trib rapture or a post-trib rapture, doesn't matter. Irregardless of what I believe about the rapture, if there is one, I'm going because I'm walking with Jesus. I'm a follower of Jesus. 
being a part of the rapture isn't because you believe in the rapture, it's because you believe in Jesus. So who cares whether it's a pre-trib or post-trib rapture? Let's focus on Jesus. Some of you are going, well, I met someone who was part of a uh, church organization. The whole church was designed. The whole reason it exists is because of a belief in a certain end time strategy. And I was just shocked. You can't become part of that church unless you believe their end time strategy. I don't care what your end time strategy belief is. Do you believe Jesus? That's our focus. That's his focus. That's the kingdom that isn't shaken. Some of us, as I said a couple weeks ago, have been filled with the Spirit in the past. You've moved in the manifestations of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, and somehow that's kind of waned in your life. Either you've gotten distracted and focused on something else, or you've gotten somehow into an intellectual belief that it's what you know rather than what you do that counts. And God's saying to his church today, stir up the gifts of the Spirit. Stir up that which was given to you, which is the Holy Spirit. Would you stand with me? I hope you came today expecting God to speak something to you. Maybe he did during the worship. Maybe it was something of a still small voice. Maybe it was an encouragement that God's still healing today by his spirit. Maybe it was from the word. But whatever it was, would you follow Jesus and do what he said? Would you pray with me today? God, fill me anew with your spirit. Lord, fill me afresh with your spirit so that I can do the things that Jesus did. Not so that I can believe the right things that I can do. Lord, I'm setting my heart to preach the gospel, to pray for the sick, to see that the demonized and captive set free because that's what you did. And you said the very things you did, I'll do. Lord, I'm sorry when I've reduced it to something less than that. I'm sorry that I've made it about theology or doctrine. I'm sorry that I've settled down and said it's more important what I believe about the end times than what I'm, than I'm being filled with the Spirit today. Lord, would you fill me anew and afresh with your Spirit? Lord, that's our prayer. That's our desire. 
Jesus, your concept of discipleship was that we follow you and we do the very things that you did. What a privilege. What an honor. What an impact we have to see people's eternity changed, to see people healed, to see people transformed, to see people set free. What a purpose for living. And in that, what an impact we have on the world. But Lord, we recognize that we can't do that without your spirit. And so we say, Holy Spirit, would you fill us again? Father, you said, how much more will you give the Holy Spirit to them to ask? Lord, I ask you today, would you fill me again with your spirit? Would you empower me with boldness to preach the gospel? Will you break off the inhibitions that stop me from praying for the sick? You said that you give us authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. That authority comes with your spirit. And so we say, would you fill us? But then we also say, we receive the Holy Spirit. We receive the manifestations of the Spirit. We receive and surrender Even as you spoke to us earlier about surrendering, we surrender to the Holy Spirit. We surrender to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Lord, break off the inhibitions that we've been taught, the things that weren't your word. Break them off in Jesus' name. And fill us anew and afresh. Amen. Amen. So the Bible has this very interesting expression. It says, uh, be doers of the word and not hearers only. Deceiving yourself. If you hear it and don't do it, you become a deceived person. So what's your challenge this week? Just do it. Expect you're going to have an opportunity to share Jesus with someone, to pray for someone who's sick, to see someone set free. Just do it. Don't talk yourself out of it. Don't say I'm not qualified. Don't say I'm not prepared. I don't know enough. I'm not, I, I don't have enough power. You don't. But you've got the Holy Spirit. So just do it. And let's see what God does. And then we'll see some testimonies next week. What happens when we just do it? If you haven't met Jesus, it all starts there. If you're here this morning and you haven't surrendered yourself to Jesus, you haven't been, become a follower of Jesus, maybe you've not, you know you haven't been a follower, maybe you know you've been rebellious, maybe you kind of thought going to church made you a Christian and you weren't actually a follower of Jesus, don't leave until you meet Jesus. We would love to introduce you to him. I'm gonna ask Dylan and Chloe to just step up here. Help me out. 
They would love to pray with you if you've not met Jesus. As everyone else is dismissed to go have coffee, come, talk to them. And they would love to pray with you. Surrender your heart to Jesus. Become a follower. Not just a believer, not just a fan, not just someone who looks from a distance, but someone who follows closely. If you haven't done that, today's your day. If you've done that at some point in the past, and you know you haven't been walking with Jesus, you can say, well, I prayed a prayer once. Make it real again. Become a follower, a disciple, and then enjoy the journey. Not only are we in love with him, but man, it's fun when you pray for someone and they get healed. It's exciting when people are set free and people are saved. Lord, thank you for your grace poured out upon us for this week. We're gonna do what you did in Jesus' name. Amen. There's some coffee and tea on the other side. Don't be in a hurry to run off. But uh, if you need prayer for healing, there was a bunch of people who uh, got stirred up something a couple weeks ago for healing. If you need prayer, come to the front on my right side over here, and there'll be some people who pray for you. If you need to meet Jesus, come over here and see Chloe and Dylan. They'd love to pray for you. Otherwise, have some wonderful fellowship.